All right. Come on, give yourselves a round of applause for being in church again, man. I'm telling you, I'm so glad you're here, um, especially if you're with us for the first time. Thank you. And I, I, I'm just glad you're here again in person or online. And today I want to talk a little bit about dreams, or I don't want to talk about dreams. Uh, as a kid, I had a lot of dreams. One of my dreams was when I was about eight, nine years old, I wanted to be a NASCAR driver. Anybody with me on this when you were a kid? You wanted to drive like fast, right? Some of you are adults and you drive fast now. But uh, back at eight or nine, I couldn't drive, so that wasn't really a, a dream that could come true right away at least. Uh, you know, I then started to dream I wanted to be a rock star. I thought that would be fun, you know what I mean? Um, I loved I loved you too, and I was if I could just be like Bono, I just want to be like him, you know? Um, that'd just be, that'd be amazing. But here's the problem. Um, I really can't sing. I really can't sing. And, and that's a requirement to be a rock star, at least for most rock stars. Um, I also dreamed about being a movie star. Uh, true story. Uh, when I was about 10 years old, I auditioned for a movie that was being filmed in the Chicagoland area. And the part was to be a kid bully. And so I auditioned for it, and they said that I was too nice. And so therefore, I didn't get the part for it. I was just a little angel, right, Jen? Right, Jen? Uh, and, um, and then a little bit older, uh, in high school, I wanted to be a fighter pilot because Top Gun came out in 1986, and everybody wanted to be a fighter pilot at that point. And then I realized how much school and training you had to have, and I'm like, nah, that's not my dream anymore. I don't want that. But, you know, it's kind of funny, um, you know, many of you might kind of like uh, resonate with that. When you were younger, you had dreams. It's a little bit frustrating sometimes because you have these big dreams of grandeur, um, and yet at the same time, you're not real sure um, if they could come true. In fact, even yesterday, you know, Paxton, our little 11-year-old, um, he has special needs, and, and um, he has some communication delays, but, but he, loves, um, he loves flying. He thinks that we can get on a plane anytime we want, you know? And so yesterday, he's showing me on his iPad, he's showing me a plane, and he's like, plane? And I'm like, yeah, it's a plane. And then he goes, go. Like, like that means like, now, you know? Um, and isn't it interesting, as, as kids, we dream and it just comes naturally. Like it's almost this innate characteristic that is built inside of us from the moment that we're born that we desire to do something, to do something exciting, to be something, and to contribute something. It's just like it's in us. It's in our DNA. Now, we don't know how to articulate it, but that is really in us. So where did this come from? Where do we get this from? Well, I, I think we get it from the Creator. This makes us different than anything else in God's creation. Like if you look at the animal kingdom, animals don't dream about doing things greater. They just dream to survive, right? It's all about survival. And you look at humans, and if humans are just surviving, yes, yeah, surviving is important, but if they're just surviving, there tends to over time be a discontentment that you're not thriving, like you're just surviving. Where does this come from? Because the evolutionary theory, Darwinism and such, cannot explain how he came from pond scum and put in a few billion years, and now all of a sudden we want purpose. How do we go from surviving to want purpose, and we explain that with an evolutionary theory? See, I don't think it's possible. I think it comes from a creator. I think the concept and the pursuit of something 
bigger, better tomorrow actually comes from God. And when we feel like our dreams are not coming true, we tend to feel frustrated and even like we lack maybe purpose. And I think, again, the desire to dream for a better tomorrow is not a social construct. It is not just an American thing. It's not just a 2023 kind of thing. I believe it comes from God. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, I believe that God is a speaking God. Now, some of you are like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, he speaks through his word. But, you know, let me say it this way. A lot of times you go to church, you know, hear pastors talk about like the Greek and the Hebrew. They talk about like the original languages that the Bible was written in. And, and so let me just take a moment here and give you a little bit of a Greek lesson, all right? There is a word that describes the Bible called logos, all right? And that word basically means this, that it is a principle, it is inspired by God, it is divinely orchestrated. That, that's kind of generally what it means when it comes to theology that we look at the Bible and we say it's logos in other words that it's God inspired but sometimes when you read the Bible there's another Greek word and that is it becomes rhema what does rhema mean rhema means that it becomes quickened alive it becomes a personal word have you ever read the word of God and you thought to yourself wow that could pertain to my life like what was general now became particular. What was God-inspired now became God-spoken to you. Does that make sense? It goes from logos to rhema. And in the same way that God speaks through his word, I will tell you he also speaks through dreams and visions. Now, don't get crazy on me here, okay? Because some of you, the minute I say that, you're like, oh man, okay, what are we talking about, right? Dreams and visions. Well, some people get a little spooky goofy about this, all right? And, and I'm not trying to take it at all to an extreme, but rather what I'm saying is, is that God does speak through dreams and visions, but I'm not talking necessarily the dreams like you dream at night. Now, he can speak through that. I mean, there, I think it happens rarely, but I do think that he can speak through dreams. But most of the time, the dreams that I dream, God's not speaking, right? You know what I mean? That, that was like the pizza I ate or whatever, okay? The dreams I'm talking about that God speaks are the dreams that are inside of you like, do you have a dream for a better marriage? Do you have a vision to start a small business someday? Do you have a dream that you want to bless the place where you work and you want to see your coworkers come to faith. Yeah, those are the kind of dreams. Those are the kind of visions I want to talk about today because, yeah, God can give you God-sized dreams that are 40,000 foot for your life, but many times he also will give you dreams for like what you're going to do today and tomorrow. They're ideas, they're visions, you could say. So my big question for us today is this, what is your dream? What is your dream? Now, if you're here today and you're like, I don't know. I think that's a fair answer and I would say this, that you know, that's not uncommon. Now you may be able to pull back to like when you were a kid and you wanted to be a race car driver or you had a dream to be, you know, like a ballet dancer or something like that and probably that's not the same person by the way. But you know, <laughs> but you know, you, you, you have a dream and you could pull back to that when you were a kid but asking you now what's your dream and you're like I'm not quite sure well you are not alone and you're not alone and here's the reason why it's because the COVID crisis 
has been a pandemic in many ways, and I'll tell you what it's done. I've noticed, and actually studies have shown, that a lot of people quit dreaming during COVID. They just wanted to survive. And so now we've got out of the habit of dreaming, if you were dreaming at all. You got out of the habit of even maybe desiring to dream. In fact, you now put that along with all of our circumstances in our world right now, like the economy and what's going on over in, you know, in Russia and the Ukraine. You put together all of the craziness in this world, and a lot of people are like, you know, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I have a dream right now. But here's what the Bible says about dreaming and it's a very famous verse. In fact, I even put it in the King James Version because I figure we go really, really uh, old school today. And that is this, is where there is no vision, what happens? The people, can you say it? Perish. You probably heard this verse. Where there is no vision, there is no vision, the people perish. The, the Hebrew word for vision there means dream, revelation, and vision. That's what it means. All right? So, where there is no dream, the people perish. Now, they may not physically perish, but I'll tell you what begins to perish, your soul. You, 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 you feel it in your heart. You know that there could be so much more, and yet there isn't right now. And so, where there is no vision, you begin to perish from the inside out. Another version says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off Restraint. In other words, where you don't have a God vision for your life, then guess what? You go out and try to find purpose in unhealthy ways. That's what that means. And so you cast off restraint. Another version, um, you could, this is a paraphrase, the message, it says this. If people can't see, again, vision, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And that is really true. When you don't have a dream, then you have a bad case of the, ah, what's the point? I might as well go watch Netflix for the next eight hours. That's what happens. When you don't have a dream, when you don't have a vision, life is less than it's designed to be. And you know it, but you can't put a finger on it. You just know it. But again, God is a speaking God. And he's a God that constantly is speaking vision for tomorrow, dreams for tomorrow, what he wants to see us become, what he wants to see us do. The problem is not that God stops speaking. The problem is we don't hear him. That's the problem. In fact, it says in 1 Samuel, as speaking specifically of a time frame in the Old Testament, it said, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Now, this is before they had a Bible, okay? So the word of the Lord was rare. Like, the, people weren't hearing the word of God. And then what happened? There were not many visions. I want you to think about that. When the word of God was rare, there were not many visions. Now, I know that could be interpreted like there weren't many, like, vision visions or there wasn't much vision. Does that make sense? Because here's what I know. When the word of God is not loud, dreams become silent, you see, too many people in this world, regardless of where they live, whether they're in America or some other place, they lay their heads on the pillow at night and they want more. They want more. They want more than the grind of their job. They want more than paying the bills. They want more than what they're experiencing. They have what we all were born with as a kid. They have that desire to dream and have vision. And maybe it was their wrong choices 
that put them in a place where it doesn't feel like they're dreaming. Maybe it was other people's wrong choices that delayed the dream. Maybe it's the fact we live in a broken world and the whole like COVID thing that made dreams kind of go on autopilot or non-existent for a season. I don't know, but I will tell you this. There's a lot of people that are frustrated. And one of the keys to unlocking um, the hope and the joy through Jesus is to understand that we were created to dream. Because as a Christ follower, once you hear this, you are to dream. Now, you may have never thought about this before. You're kind of like, really? Yes. As a Christ follower, we should be, we should be in a sense, dreaming people. Okay? <laughs> and again, I know it sounds a little weird to say that. It, it sounds a little strange, but here's my premise. Okay? We are people of Jesus, which means that we're people of faith, okay? And the Bible says about faith this in the book of Hebrews. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. So faith is needed to please God, all right? We're people of faith. We live by faith, and the Bible says not by sight, right? So therefore, we're people of faith. Now, it also says this in Hebrews about faith. It says now faith is the assurance of things, everybody say that next word, hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. That sounds a lot like vision. That sounds a lot like dreams. We don't see it yet, but we hope for it, right? Boy, that sounds a lot like dreams and visions. Things hoped for, things not seen. God wants us to have a vision or a dream for the future, but this is super important. God does not want you to chase your dream, but to follow his, okay? He wants you to follow his dream for your life. There's a lot of talk right now in our culture about chase your dreams. Chase your dreams. Not all of it's bad. Not all of it's bad. It's not all bad talk, all right? But there is innately a little bit of a flawed theology in that, and that is this. We as Christ followers, we don't invent our own dreams, and we don't just establish our own dreams, but rather God has a dream for us that we are to discover. Does that make sense? So therefore, yeah, we're supposed to chase the God dream. Jeremiah 33, 3, very famous verse for those of you who maybe grew up in church, says this. It says, call unto me and I will answer you. Okay, it's not an if. I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known, all right? So, as people of faith, we are to call unto God and say, God, what is the dream that you have for my life? What do you want me to do? What is the purpose you want me to fulfill? What does my tomorrow look like through God eyes, not through human eyes? And you know what he'll do is he'll show you things that are hidden and things that are great. Does that make sense? He'll show you. Now, that doesn't mean that you just pray and boom, there all of a sudden you see it. Sometimes it's a process. I can hear some of you thinking right now, you're going, well, is Jeremy saying that we're not supposed to like work hard and, and achieve goals in this life? No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I'm going to ask you, hang with me in this tension about dreams and visions. Hang with me, and by the end of this, I think you're going to understand what I'm talking about. And I'm going to use an individual that, you know, is kind of the dreamer, you could say, of the Old Testament. It's a story that we talk about a lot when it comes to dreams. His name is Joseph. I'm going to use his story as a premise. And his story is found in the uh, Old Testament. We um, are introduced to him at the age of 17. He's a teenager. 
He is his dad's favorite son, has many brothers, all right, has many brothers, um, 11 of them, okay? And so there is this one guy named Joseph, he's 17, he's wearing this like colorful coat, some of you have seen the musical, all right? And, um, and he's his dad's favorite. Why is he his dad's favorite? Well, it's because um, his dad had multiple wives. Back then, you could have more than one wife. Polygamy was normal. And, uh, and his favorite wife, the dad's favorite wife, was Rachel. And Rachel's first son was Joseph. And so, because Joseph's dad's favorite wife uh, had him, he was the favorite son. I tell Jen all the time, she's my favorite wife. You know what I mean? To which she says that uh, uh, I'll be her favorite husband in the hospital if she keeps on saying that. So anyway, uh, but anyway. <laughs> so Joseph's a fave. And all the other brothers, the older brothers, by the way, the firstborn brother even, all of them know that Joseph is the favorite. And they're very jealous. And they hate him. Like the, the, if, you read, if you read in the Bible, literally the word hate. They hate Joseph. Joseph is a dreamer. God gave him dreams. He sees, he, he has dreams, he has visions, okay? And, and, uh, and he had this dream, he actually had a couple of them, basically stating that his family was going to bow down to him. Now I want you to picture 17-year-old, younger brother, coming to the older brothers going, hey, I got this great dream. And the dream is that y'all going to bow down to me? Isn't that amazing? You know, as he's showing off his coat. And uh, they hate him even more. In fact, they're on the backside of a desert, they throw him in a pit, um, a caravan is going by of, of individuals that are on their way to Egypt. Um, they, the brothers sold Joseph into slavery to this caravan, and the caravan took him into Egypt and sold him to a man by the name of Potiphar. So now Joseph is a slave in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was kind of a uh, person of nobility in the Egyptian um, government, and uh, he works for Potiphar for many years. He still has these dreams. He then is accused of something that he didn't do. And Joseph is accused of something. And, and uh, he says, no, I didn't do it. And uh, they don't believe him. And so now Joseph gets thrown into prison. So he goes now from the pit to Potiphar's house, now into prison. And now he's in prison. And Pharaoh, who was at the time thought up as the god of the universe, all right? This is back thousands of years ago. Pharaoh looked at, was looked at as a god. That's why they built the, the, you know, the pyramids and things like that. Because, I mean, they literally thought that the pharaohs were gods. And this pharaoh was having these weird dreams. And so somebody said, hey, there's this guy named Joseph who's in prison. I think he could help you out. He seems to be in tune with God. And, uh, and so brought him in. And sure enough, pharaoh interprets the dream. Or excuse me, Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh is so impressed, makes him second in command of all of Egypt. And then um, years later, Joseph's brothers, there's a famine in the land, and they come to Egypt to get food, and they're bowing down before the one who's second in command of Egypt, and they don't realize it, it's uh, their brother, Joseph, that they had slowed, uh, sold into slavery many years ago. Um, Joseph's dream comes true. Now, here's where we in America, we miss preach or preach in error this sermon. And I've done it. I'll be honest with you. I've, I've even preached it in error um, back in the day. Uh, you know, we preach it like this. We're like, go after your dreams and be like Joseph. Hang on to your dreams. Chase your dreams. You know, hang on to the dreams. No matter if you were in the pit 
or Potiphar's house, or you went to prison, or now you are in the palace, then guess what? You just hang on and chase that dream. Well, here's the problem. Look for that anywhere in the story. Where did Joseph chase his dream? We don't see it. It ain't there. We've created that. That's the American version of the story of Joseph. All right? We, we, it's not in there. He never chased his dream. Now listen, listen to this. It does say that God was with Joseph every single step of the way. And it says it over and over again. God was with Joseph in the pit. God was with Joseph at Potiphar's house. God was with Joseph in prison and in the palace. So this is the consistency. The consistent thing is this, is that Joseph was in the presence of God, but Joseph wasn't chasing his dream. Get this. Joseph wasn't chasing his dream. Rather, God's dream was chasing him. Now, now this is important. Because some of you have a dream and you're frustrated because it ain't materializing. And maybe the fact that we need to learn from Joseph is we need to spend more time in the presence of God. And then God's dream chases us. We realize that we discover it more than we chase it. Does that make sense? I mean, Joe was in the pit. God's dream was still alive. Joe was in Potiphar's house and God's dream was still chasing him. He didn't know it. Joe was in prison, and God's dream was being activated, and Joe ended up in the palace, and the dream became realized. What does this tell us? It tells us this. It tells us that the dreams God has for our lives, whether they're big or small, will only be realized over time by being in God's presence regardless of our circumstances. God's dream for Joseph was still alive even when Joseph felt that the dream was dead. Okay? One of the characteristics of Joseph is he was consistent in three things. And we need to learn this as we begin to discover God's dreams for our lives. And that is this. is First of all, he was faithful to God no matter what. You never see him, you know, blowing off God, you know, getting all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I'm angry, um, I'm you know, going to leave God. You don't see it. He just was consistently faithful to God. He was also hardworking. Wherever he was at, whether he was in Potiphar's house or in prison or eventually in the palace, he worked really hard. And lastly, he was full of conviction. He never wavered in his convictions. He didn't take on the convictions of the culture around him. Rather, he was true to God's convictions. We must do all three of those same things. That's why the dream came true for Joseph. I cannot stress this enough. It takes time. I mean, let's just go back again to Joseph. He was 17 years old when he was thrown in the pit. And then, get this, he was 30 years old, 13 years later, when he lands in the palace. That means he was in a slave for 11 years, and he was in prison for two, 13 altogether. Okay, I want you to think about that. You're a slave for 11 years in a foreign nation. You don't know the language. You don't know the culture. You do not have freedom. And then on top of that, you go to prison for two years, okay? And you're thinking by this point, you're like, God has forgotten me. But the Bible says that God was with Joseph every single step of the way. Then at age 30, he gets into the palace. By 39, nine years later, is when the, the brothers show up and need grain, Nine years later, he's 39 years old by this point, Joseph sends them away and says, if you want grain, you need to bring your whole family, including your father. Now, this was a, 
a move that he wanted to see his dad again. So he made his brothers go home, who didn't recognize him, by the way. They had bowed down. They didn't recognize him. He goes, go home and bring your whole family, bring your father. Well, now two years later, they show up again, because it's not like you just jump a plane and go to Egypt, right? So now Joseph is around 41 years old when they bow down to him, and he gives them the grain that they need, and he reveals that he's Joseph, the long-lost son that was sold into slavery, who the dad thought had died. 24 years had gone by from the dream to the fulfillment of the dream. Listen, we want dreams to come true in 24 hours. 24 years. And the whole time, Joseph didn't know the end of the story like we do. That's the problem when we read the Bible. We know the end of the story. We read these stories, and we're like, well, I know the end of it. He's all good, <laughs> right? But, but that's not the way he felt when he was a slave or he's in prison, or even when he was serving in the palace for those nine years, he's probably just doing his work, just going to work every day, doing his thing. He didn't realize that the dream was chasing him. So here's a powerful truth we need to remember when it comes to dreaming and having visions, that we should have dreams that are God-honoring, dreams that are God-honoring. As we close, as we close, I believe there's two types of dreams. I'm going to get really practical now. Because I've kind of been, you know, trying to hopefully inspire you to dream up until this point. But I want to get really practical. I think there's two types of dreams that God wants us to have. Two types. Now, we usually have one type, but we don't have the other. And the first one is this. Dreams for enjoyment. As Americans, we have these in spades. All right? Dreams for enjoyment. I think it's okay. And I think God actually wants us to have dreams for our personal enjoyment. Why do I think that? Well, I'm a, I'm a human father, um, flawed like crazy, and I want my kids to have a good life. I really do. I want my physical kids to have a good life. I want to have the things that they enjoy. I want to have the things that they need. You know, even sometimes the things that they want. But again, again, I'm just a human dad. How much more does the Heavenly Father want us to have things for our enjoyment. I'm going to prove that in a moment here with a verse. Second type of dream, and this is the one that most of us have to work on, dreams for making a difference. Both of those are important. Dreams for enjoyment and dreams for making a difference. Let me show you this verse. It's found in um, 1 Timothy. Now, this is the thing. In this verse, um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's at the end of his life, He's about ready to be executed for his faith in Jesus. And he's writing a younger pastor by the name of Timothy, who's probably about 30 years old at this time. And he's basically instructing him about a church in Ephesus, but, but kind of just life principles. And he says this, Paul says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Right there, that is the American dream. Today, I'm not talking about achieving the American dream. There's, there's nothing wrong with the American dream. But my point is, is this, that's not the highest dream. Okay, that's not the highest dream. And so, so, so here, what Paul is saying, it pretty much describes the American dream, rich in this present world, to not be arrogant and put our trust in wealth, which is very uncertain, but to put our hope in God, who richly provides us with, listen to this, everything for our, what is that word? enjoyment. So, so listen, God actually wants you to dream dreams that bring joy to you. 
I think there's nothing wrong with that as long as those are God-honoring and as long as those dreams for enjoyment don't take the place of Him. Does that make sense? So, so listen, it's okay to dream dreams for enjoyment because God is the one who gives those things. In fact, the Bible even says in another verse that every good and perfect gift comes from God. But then it goes on to say this, command them to do good. Command them to do good and, and to basically to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. This starts going to the second dream now. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. What's the coming age? It means the, the afterlife. It means for the next life. It means for heaven, all right? So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In other words, he's saying if you want to have a, a real life, a true life on this side of heaven, then you need to also have dreams about making a difference because then you're laying up treasures in heaven someday because you're not going to be able to take the purse with you. You're not going to be able to take the house with you. You're not going to be able to take the shoes with you or the car. But you know what you can take is you can take those good deeds, the influence that you had, the generosity, the things you gave, the money you gave, this stuff... That kind of stuff goes with you. In other words, those good deeds go with you into heaven. How we live now does matter. So dreams for enjoyment and dreams for making a difference. Let me talk about dreams for enjoyment real quickly. You might say, what are those specifically? Well, maybe this would be an example. Maybe you have a dream that you want to take your family on a really nice vacation someday. And you want to make memories that are going to last a lifetime. Like you want to go on a vacation that when your kids are 40 years old, they're going to tell their kids, man, I remember when I was young and my family did this, went to this place, whatever. And it's a memory. In fact, it's interesting, after the first service, I had somebody come up to me and they said, you know what I did this week is I bought a canoe because my kids, they really want to go to like a Boundary Waters experience and it's a dream of a lifetime, and I want to take my dad, who's like 70 years old, and, and we're going to have a father, son, and grandpa trip. Okay, that's a dream for enjoyment, and can I tell you something? I think that's amazing. I think God wants you to dream those kind of dreams. Some of you might have a dream. You might want to, I want to own a boat, you know? You're like, really? Yeah, yeah. Now, now, listen, before you buy a boat, we just had a series called Pre-Approved for Financial Peace, so make sure you listen to that, and then buy the boat if it makes sense, Okay. But some of you might say, I have, I've always had a dream to buy a boat. I want a boat. I think that's a dream that could be a God dream. Maybe for some of you might say, I, I want a bigger living space. You know, you have an apartment or you have a house and you want a little bit of a bigger one because you want to have people over and you want to you be able to entertain and you want to cook dinner for them or whatever else. That's a great dream. Or maybe as simple as this, especially you live up here in the north, maybe you have a dream that you want to... Uh, have a car that has four-wheel drive for when it snows so you could actually go out of the house. Some of you are like, I don't like the car I have right now. I have a dream of a better car. Again, dream for enjoyment. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Some of you might want to dream you want to play basketball in college someday. Those are great dreams. Those are great dreams. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But then there's dreams for making a difference. This is where I think it's a little bit more important. More than the dreams for enjoyment are the dreams for making a difference. Like you might say, I want to make a difference. I have a dream to make a difference in my place where I work. And, and, and you know, I want my coworkers to meet Jesus. Well, 
here, here you have a dream for that. I think it's a great dream to make a difference. And so you, you, you pray about that and you, you, you live a certain way and you make certain choices. And even like for an example, in two weeks there's Easter. Invite your coworkers to come to Easter. You know what I mean? This is a great dream. I think God would want you to have that dream. Maybe you have a dream to be more generous. Maybe, you know, generosity, like we just gave money to those that are victims of the tornado down in Mississippi. And you're like, I want to be able to do that. We have a dream to be more generous. I know a dream for Jen and I is we always have a dream to give away more money this year than we did the previous year. That's a dream we have. And I think that's a dream to make a difference. And uh, I think it's a good dream. Maybe that's a dream that you would have. Or maybe you have a dream about your kids following Jesus. So you do certain things, you make certain choices. You say no to certain things and yes to other things because you have that dream. Maybe you have a dream to like change your community. Maybe you have a dream to help people that are marginalized. Maybe you have a dream to help people with disabilities. I don't know what it is, but you have a dream to make a difference. Those are great dreams. So whether it's a dream for enjoyment, this is so important, stick with me, or it is a dream to make a difference, they both need to be God-honoring dreams. You pray about them, you read the Word of God, and you think about it. Dreams for enjoyment, dreams to make a difference. So this is how we're going to close. This week, I have a little homework assignment for you. Some of you are like, I've been out of school for a long time, and I don't want to go back. I know, I know, I know. But uh, here's what I want you to do. This week, I want you to get a piece of paper, and I want you to physically write down five dreams. Three of the dreams are dreams to make a difference. And two of the dreams are dreams for enjoyment. I want you to write down five dreams. I want to write it down. The Bible says this, write the vision, make it plain so the runner can run. In other words, write it down. Some of you have never written down your dreams before. You're like 60 years old and you've never written down your dreams. You're 20 years old. You've never written down your dreams. Write down your dreams. Five of them. Now some of you might go, I'm at more than five. Good. Write down as many as you want. But this is what I believe. I always think you should have more dreams about making a difference than dreams for enjoyment. So that's why I'm having you do three dreams about making a difference and two for enjoyment. Write them down this week and then put it somewhere where you will see it and pray and say, God, I'm going to ask you to help me achieve these dreams. Now, sometimes the dreams change as you go, but at least it gets you started and it keeps it kind of like in front of you. What are some dreams? They might be small, they might be big. Like for me personally, I have big dreams and I got small dreams. I got a big dream about making a difference is this. Uh, I'm not going to go through a bunch of them here, but just a couple to give you some ideas. Like for me, this is a big, big one. This is like huge. I pray that someday when I retire, which isn't anytime soon, all right, I'm not that old, but still, someday when I retire and I hand this mic off and this position of senior pastor to somebody else, whoever my successor is, my dream is that this entire ministry is debt-free. That's a dream that I have. And you say, why? Because I don't want to hand it off the way that it was handed to me because it was a dumpster fire financially. And it took me years upon years upon years of trying to figure out how to get this, this ministry stable. I don't want to do that to somebody else. I want the person who takes this mic and the baton to be able to just go reach the lost and love the community. 
and not worry about any of those things. So you know what? I have a dream. It's a big, it's a multi-million dollar dream. I, we inherited, I inherited a debt, and my dream is, in however many years it is, that that debt is gone by the time I hand the baton. It's a big dream. Why do I say that dream? Some of your dreams need to have a touch of the supernatural. Don't just dream dreams that you can do, okay? You need to dream some dreams that have a touch of the supernatural. It's kind of like, that won't happen if God doesn't. Fill in the blank. So you got to have some of those kind of dreams. You might have a personal dream. Maybe it's like buying a canoe and saying, I want to go on a trip with my boys. Whatever it is, what are your dreams? Write them down this week. Don't just say that was a great message when you leave. Write it down. And then be like Joseph and be faithful to God, hardworking and full of conviction and keep those dreams in front of you. And then let's just see what God does. Let's be dreamers. In a world that's full of a lot of despair right now, let's be people who dream a brighter future. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you created us to be dreamers. Since we were a kid and we wanted to be an astronaut or a policeman or the president of the United States or whatever it is that we wanted to be, Lord, I just pray that from that moment you put a seed of dreaming inside of us and some of us haven't watered that seed for a long time. I pray that today it would be water. This message would spark ideas, that we would listen to your spirit, that we would read your word, and that we would discover the dream. Dreams to make a difference and dreams for enjoyment. Lord, we believe tomorrow is better than today. We believe the future is bright because we serve a God who's already in that future creating and doing amazing things. We love you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, real quickly, just one more minute. If you say, what is the biggest dream that God has for your life? It's this, is that you have a relationship with him. It's your ultimate purpose. It's the ultimate dream that God has for you. And today, for some of us, we need to discover that. That God created you, he loves you, and he's with you, and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. And if that's you today, and you say, I want to live that dream, the dream where I am following Jesus. You've talked about it a lot today, Jeremy, but I want to follow Jesus today. You're not joining the church. You're not becoming a member. You're just saying, I want to follow Jesus today. If that's you, just put your hand up and your hand back down. Hands are up and all over the place. Yeah, heads bowed, hands up. You can put it right back down. Can we all say this prayer? All of us, whether we raised our hand or not, can we say this prayer? Jesus, I come to you today and I believe you died for me and that you love me. So today I declare you as the leader of my life. Forgive me for all my sin. Come into my life. I want to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Come on, could you put your hands together for everybody that prayed that prayer?